The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Good to good to be with you guys today um, and, and start a new series. I want to encourage you um, in the Lord. I, 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 man, I love my family. Um, when I... I think of all that life has to offer, and I, I love to get the most out of life. Um, I love my, my family. I love Abby. As each year goes by, I deepen in my love for her. I think that's directly tied into my love for the Lord, and as my love and my relationship with the Lord deepens, my love deepens for her, and I come to appreciate her more and value her more and, and uh, not be, uh, I, I hope, I, I feel like I'm, I'm making progress in this. I'm not as much of a jerk because of how much I value her uh, and love her more and more as each year goes by. And I, I you know, I, <laughs> listen, I, I don't think I'm a jerk, but I think I can be a jerk, right? You know what I mean? Like you guys, you guys that don't know what I mean, your wives know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and so, like, I, I can look back and I go, man, I, I've, uh, I've changed a lot over the last, um, you know, 20 years, and, and I hope to change even more. I, you can see it in people who have a, a deep relationship with one another that um, they've been married a long time. You see it just kind of just keeps getting deeper and deeper in, in their love and their friendship um, with one another. And, and so I, I love my wife. I love my children. Um, they mean the world to me. They are the nearest and dearest people in my life. There's no doubt about that. When I look at um, my family, my kids, and you know, it's, it's, I think it's a little even, I love my extended family, but they're not near to me anymore. They're a little further away having moved up from Oklahoma. And one of the advantages I found in that, that move is that, man, it's like my, my kids, I've I mean, from week one, as we were getting in six months in, we noticed, man, we were really spending a lot more time with our children than we were back in Oklahoma because we were just going and visiting people all the time, it seemed like. But, and that was great and, and fun, but it's, it's been fun to be here and, and really pour into their lives. And so I want to give them the best I have to offer. Like I want, I want Abby to, when we get to the end of life, man, I want her to look and go, man, I'm glad I married that man. He, like, he was the best. I want my kids to say uh, my dad was the best. Um, not because I do a lot of uh, cool things and provide all the cool things for them, but just because of who I am. They look at me and they go, man, that's the best dad I could have ever asked for. And so I, that's really, really important to me. I love my friends. Um, I love the friends that I have here in Overland Park and developed some really good relationships over the last, uh, you know, seven years. And I love this church. I have a lot of deep relationships within the body, and, and I love OPCC. And so I, I want to be the best pastor I can be. I want to be the best friend I can be. Um, I want to be a person um, that with, with the people who are near and dear to me, they can look at me and say, man, that guy is the best. I, I couldn't ask for a better guy than what, what he has contributed to my life. And so I, I believe that all of you want the same. Um, you want to be the best version of you that you could possibly be. And so um, we all have friends and family, like I've described, that really deserve our best. They deserve the best that we can, can offer them. Now, here's the deal, is that um, the Lord has laid out a plan to change the world. Like the, I mean, it's just so plain and simple. When you study the Word, you read the Gospels, you study the Old and New Testament, the Lord has a plan. 
And that plan to change the world starts with me. It starts with you, individually giving our best. And so it's very important that you give the best that the world has to offer, like the gospel is advanced when you give your best. But the truth is, is that there's only one way to get the best out of you. And it's not um, through your, your, your skill level or your uh, giftedness or anything like that. The way to get the best out of you is by your connection and your relationship to the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, this, um, this, this passage of Scripture beginning in verse 4, um, Moses has led the children of Israel out of bondage. They've been in slavery for several hundred years. They actually became a nation while they were slaves. They were moved into Egypt, about 70 people. The family was that large at that time. And over the course of 400 years, they grew in excess of uh, a couple of million people. And there was a Pharaoh who started oppressing them and making them build the, the nation of Egypt. And Moses uh, was a special child that God set aside, and he used him. And he was raised in, you know the story, if, if, if you've been in church very long, maybe you don't know the story, but Moses was a Jewish kid who, because of oppression of the Jewish people, that they were being um, thrown into the river because there were so many of them, and, and the Pharaoh was worried that they were going to overtake them, uh, they started uh, killing the male children. And Moses' parents put him in the river, and he grew up in Pharaoh's daughter, under Pharaoh's daughter's care. And so he grew up as a prince. And then when he recognized his identity, who he was, he tried to sort of assert himself, and it didn't work out because he wasn't really listening to the Lord. He was trying to do who he thought he was. He was trying to accomplish what he thought he should accomplish. And so he wanders out in the wilderness um, for the next 40 years of his life, and God does a work in him, and God, like, he, he meets with him. And the Old Testament teaches us that the Lord appeared because the Holy Spirit didn't live in people like he does today, but the Lord appeared in this bush that did not burn up, and he called Moses, and he set him on the road that he wanted him uh, to, to travel on. And I could see Moses over that 40-year period really wrestling with the Lord about who he was, what God wanted to do in his life, about um, he thought he had tried to do it the right way, and it didn't work out, and he ended up having to flee and now he's living as a shepherd out in the, in the desert, man, raising sheep um, in the desert. It's not an easy task, right? Especially when you're used to living in um, the comfort and the riches of, of a prince. And so during this experience, God tells him, I want you to go back to Egypt. And I want you to deliver the people, my people. And so God sends him back. And, and the story goes is that miraculously, the Lord uses Moses and the entire nation of Egypt um, is plundered uh, under the hand of God. And they come out, and they're going to the promised land, and they're on a journey. And so God has to tell them, this is how I want you to live. Now, now this is important because you go, man, this, why, why is Jimmy giving me all this Jewish history? Because I'm trying to teach you about God. That's why. And it has to do with the Jews, because God, if he has a, it's this being that exists that is spiritual and he's going to talk to us, what's he going to do? Especially like during this period of time, how does God talk to people? Through a person. And he, takes, he makes a promise to this one guy. I'm going to make you into a great nation. He promised one guy that his name was Abraham. And guess what? A great nation came from that guy. And throughout time, God started hammering out, this is what I'm like. 
And so the Jewish people, as we look to the Jewish people in the Old Testament, God is sending a message to all of humanity because that's how he's going to communicate with us. How else is he going to talk to us? It's a brilliant plan. And so over the course of thousands of years, through prophets that were farmers, some of them were peasants, some of them were kings, God writes these messages of what he's going to do, and it's all about the Messiah that's going to come. And so for thousands of years, God is hammering this out. And so he tells this group of people, as they become a nation, this is is how I want you to live. This is something that's very important to you. And and we get this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Now, this is known as, uh, to the Jews, this was known as the Shema. And it was something that was extremely important to the Lord's people. It was a reminder that the Lord is above everything else. And when you're doing life, you need to be reminded, um, the Lord is telling Moses to teach the people, they need to be reminded that they are to love me with everything in them. I'll just set let that kind of sit and sink into your heart. God is saying, this is what I'm like. Love me with all of your being, with everything that is in you, with all of your heart, all your mind, all of your soul. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Whoa. Because we all know we love me some me, right? Okay? Love your neighbor that way and uh, treat them that way. And then he goes on, he says, impress this stuff on your kids. Like, tell them when you're walking along the road, talk about the Lord. Um, When you're going to work, talk about the Lord. When you sit down to eat, talk about the Lord. That's the instruction. Now, just think about all your conversations and how many of them are about the Lord. Because they all should be. Somehow, some way, the Lord should come out in your conversations just because of who you are and what he's done in your life. So God expects your family, when we look at your family, What we see here is that God expects it to be a place of spiritual development. That's why husbands in the Bible and the Scripture are called uh, leaders in the home. That's not chauvinistic because the leadership that we find in the New Testament is all about dying to yourself and serving. And so there's nothing chauvinistic about that. What the Lord is trying to say is men lead out and follow, die to yourself and follow Jesus and love your wife like Jesus loves the church. And so it's a call to give our all to our wives. So as we come into relationships with our friends and family and and our neighbors and and our our wife and and our children, we are to love them that way. We are to give them our all. We are to teach them and impress upon them what it's like to follow the Lord. The best teacher in the home to your wife and your children ought to be you, men. There ought not be a better teacher. Like Jimmy Holbrook should not be the best teacher of what it means to follow Christ in your family. That's not what the Scripture teaches. This is for everyone. Love the Lord your God with everything. And so there's a call for a Christian man to to lead out. 
But that call comes to the woman too. It's not just, it's like two parents. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. So that when children look at their mother, they ought to see the hand of the Lord. Um, they ought to see, men ought to look at their wives. Like Peter talks about it. He says, man, what if you got an unbelieving husband? Like, then just be so in love with Jesus when he looks at you, he can see the change in your life that draws him to the Lord because he knows you're not living a normal life. You're being led of the Lord and he can experience it. Why? Because you love him like you love yourself. And so there's a, here's the plan is the, that God wants you to be the best you. And so when we look at this, um, we, we see that this is where his values and, 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 and uh, his character are transferred to the next generation. Like he immediately starts talking about your children. Impress this. Like, like make sure, like you, I'm reminded of Plato. You press down, and the cool thing about it is your handprint is all over it. What you do, you take that Play-Doh and you spread it out. How many of you like Play-Doh? How many of you don't like Play-Doh? Smart people like Play-Doh, study show. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so you put the Play-Doh down, you press it down. Whoa, man, you press it down. What do you do? You look at it, you look at your hand, and then you go, ah, it smells so good. But you've impressed your handprint on the Play-Doh, and you can see it. That's what the Lord says to do. Impress this on your kids. Let them know. Hang it on your doorpost. Let it be a reminder when you walk in and out of home, your home, what it is that you're supposed to do. And so when we, we, we look at this, we go, whoa, man, this is what the Lord expects out of me. To accomplish this, there must be movement in your life. Like, like you have to have movement happening in your life. And so here's the, here's the first takeaway. To be your best requires deep spiritual transformation. You will never be your best because you see other people that you see movement in their lives and you go, man, that, that, that person, they look like they're, they've got a lot of movement and I want some of that, so I'm going to start going to church. You're never going to be your best by going to church. You're never going to be your best by trying harder. The only way to be your best is by deep spiritual transformation because every human is broken. Every human um, their fellowship with God the Father has been severed by this thing called sin. There is none righteous, the Scripture teaches us. No, not one. Nobody is right before the Lord. And so when we look at this, we go, okay, if I'm going to be the best me, I better fix me. And the only way to fix me is by going through deep spiritual transformation. One time Jesus was talking to a guy by the name of Nicodemus in the book of John chapter um, 3. And Jesus says to him, I believe it is in um, verse uh, three, he says, um, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. I just, like, like think about what is Jesus talking about there? To enter the kingdom of heaven, like if you want to go to heaven, Jesus says, you must be born again. So there has to be a a transformation that takes place. So the guy that Jesus is talking to, Nicodemus, says, how can this be? How can you go back into your mother's womb? What's a man to do? I can't be born again. And Jesus says in verse 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. And so to become a physical being, you must pass, pass through your mother's um, womb and you pass through the birth canal and physically you 
are a being. You come into this world. To be a spiritual being, you must pass through the spiritual womb to exist spiritually. Every man is dead in their sins and transgressions. We're all desperately wicked and apart from the Lord. And so there must be a deep spiritual transformation. You begin to understand whenever you have a spiritual birth, something shifts in your life. You see, there are too many people, especially in this community. Golly, man, there's so many people that are so brilliant. So I, I'm, I've encountered so many brilliant, unbelievable leaders, professionals. Like, man, they, they, they just, they, they do great at making money, very intelligent, leading organizations, but they don't have a clue about spiritual things. It just leaves me scratching my head going, how could you be this, like, like talented and not get this? Like, not, like, how could you think that going to church is what this is about? It's not about going to church. Like, and so that's what they think. They think that, well, man, they're, they're like, I just, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> one of the classic things that people will ask is, were you always raised in church? Well, my mom went to church all the time. If you're asking me, did I always live this way? No. Like, yeah, as a matter of fact, yes, I used to go to church, and I hated it. Like, my mom would make me go. I didn't want anything to do with it. We moved, and we switched churches. I didn't want, like, we fought, me and my brothers fought her. We said, oh, those, those kids in that youth group are stuck up. Like, they weren't stuck up. We didn't want to go to church. We wanted to stay home. And so it required some transformation to happen in our lives to shift our thinking. And so what happens is, is when you encounter the Lord and you are born spiritually, just like you are born physically, one of the first things that we got to get that new baby to do is eat. If he doesn't eat, we got problems. And when you're born spiritually, you have a hunger for spiritual things. And so you don't just like go, oh, I guess, man, if I'm going to be the best me, I better take my kids to church and pick a good church and kind of get them in there. That's not what happens. To be the best you doesn't mean that you take your kids to church. To be the best you means that you know Jesus and you have been born spiritually. And if you've never been born spiritually, you can never be the best you because it is impossible to please God without faith. That's what the book of Hebrews teaches us. And so to be the best you must mean that you have a a spiritual transformation. That is essential. It is essential because it is your true identity. All of your identity flows out of this deep spiritual transformation. It is where your power comes from. It is where your authority comes from. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in my name. Jesus said, ask and it will be given. Pray in my name and it will happen. What is he talking about? He's talking about authority that is given to us only by one means, and that is through spiritual birth, transformation. Now I am a child of God. Before, the Bible says, like the Bible says, before we are spiritually born again, we are enemies of God. When we are born again spiritually, we become children of God. The Bible also says that nobody can come to the Father on his own. The Father must draw him. And so the Lord must begin doing a work in your life to draw you unto himself. And after you are born again, you can begin to see it. You go, man, the Lord put that person in my life then. The Lord put that person. He helped me to cross this person's life. And you have what is called a testimony of how the Lord saved you and you were born again spiritually. If you don't have that, you're not born spiritually. 
Like, there is no way that you could be born spiritually and not have a story about how God brought you to the faith. Jesus said it. Like, all I'm doing is telling you what the Scripture plainly teaches. And the only way to be the best you is by deep spiritual transformation, and that happens when you are born again spiritually. It is where your authority comes from to call upon the name of the Lord as a child of His, and then as you walk in obedience, it is where your power comes from to accomplish what? What He has called you to accomplish and fulfill His will here on the planet. So first takeaway, to be your best, your best requires deep spiritual transformation. The second takeaway, to be your best requires requires deep spiritual development. You want to be the best for your kids? You want to be the best for your wife? Then you have to be developed in Christ. That's why the mission of our church is developing people in Christ. Our mission is not just seeing people get born again and coming into the faith. We want to see them develop and grow in Christ. We want to see them walking out their faith in a transformational way so that they could be the best husband that they could possibly be, so you could be the best wife that you could possibly be, so you could be the best father, the best um, you know, employer, the best employee, the best kid. The only way to accomplish that, again, is through the deep spiritual transformation and then beginning deep spiritual development. This is called discipleship. Jesus has said, go and make disciples. And so the only way to be the best Jew is to go through discipleship. And now, you begin your journey, and when you begin following Christ, what happens is, is there should be a leading of the Holy Spirit. And so no longer, like, man, I can remember when I let go and fully surrendered to the Lord, there was just, my desires just changed. I just didn't want the same things anymore. Why? Because I wasn't the same person. I was dead, I was walking in sin and, and, and trespasses, and all of a sudden I was alive in Christ, and I did not want the same stuff that I wanted before. That does not mean that I'm not tempted by sinful things. Certainly, I'm still tempted by sinful things, but I don't desire them. Like, I don't want that. There's something in me that has shifted that wants to resist that and fight against it. It's called the war within man. And spiritually, when we're born, the flesh still lives, but the new man rises up inside and is called to die to the flesh and be led of the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit leads us through life, we go through this uh, process of discipleship. It is a journey, and you begin to experience what is known as sanctification. What in the world is sanctification? What's a spiritual word that just basically means grow? Grow in the Lord. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says this, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So the Spirit does this sanctification as we're believing in the truth. What is the truth? That's why we say the Word of God is truth. We don't believe it's man's opinion. We believe it is preserved. It is inspired. It is God-breathed that men were used to write it over a course of thousands of years. Uh, there, were, there are 66 different books. They all have harmony. They tell one story, and that is man is broken. God has come to fix man. He sent um, his son, which basically he became a man in order to die a sinner's death on the cross of Calvary so that you would not have to. And that is the gospel. And so we read that, and that is believing in the truth, and the Spirit will sanctify us. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, verse 15 says, Brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. 
And so we learn to follow Christ. We learn to follow Jesus, and we want to be like him because he is our father. So when we're born spiritually and this birth happens in us, just like we want to be like our earthly fathers, if we have a good relationship with them and they're in our lives, one of the things we want to do is imitate our dad. Then what happens is when you're born spiritually, he becomes your heavenly father through this birth because no one can come to the father unless the father draws him unto himself. The birth happens and there ought to be a desire that you want to be like him. And so that your desire is shifted that you want to begin to follow Jesus. And so God provides us this opportunity to develop underneath the umbrella of his divine protection. So God offers to protect us as he's sending us through the world and sanctifying us in the, as we believe in the truth of his word. He is developing us spiritually. And as, he, as we go along, we begin the process, we start learning how God treats us. And when this shift takes place and we understand that he's protecting us underneath this, this um, uh, umbrella of divine protection, Proverbs 18.10, I think, uh, says it well. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. And so God allows me, underneath the protection of what he offers me, to develop as he shifts my desires and changes me because I've been born spiritually where I was dead. Now I'm not only physically alive, I'm spiritually alive, and I'm beginning to be the best me that I possibly could be. That's why he gives us the church. That's why he gives us fellow believers. That's why we call fellow believers brothers and sisters in Christ because we are the family of God because we all have the same father. And underneath the protection of this this divine shelter, you will, if you will, he shows us how he treats us, and, and the more we understand about who he is, the more we love him. That's why in the Old Testament it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because when you begin to love the Lord and you begin to see how messed up you are and how patient he is with you, guess what happens? You start loving people around you the way that he loves you. Because you've been changed. You're walking through spiritual development. And, and so people who have experienced a spiritual birth, they end up loving church. Why? Because you're with like-minded people who've been transformed. You're with your family. Like I can go to any church that is a Bible-believing church and not ever have been there and walk in and immediately make a connection with someone. Why? Because we have the same dad. We love each other immediately because we're in the family of God and there's a mutual connection and that that can't happen without the spiritual transformation and then we go through the spiritual development. We begin to love church. We begin to love um, serving. We begin to love giving. (laughs) If you can't give and love to do it, don't do it. Something's wrong. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect with you. Like, that's why the scripture says God loves a cheerful giver because a cheerful giver has been transformed and he just wants to give. So, so like, we look at all this, we go, how do we be the best us that we could possibly be? How can I be the best me? I need deep spiritual transformation. I need deep spiritual development. And finally, I want to share this takeaway with you. This is where we're going to go. We're going to spend some time over the next few weeks. Your family is the best vehicle for transferring this belief. God did not ordain the pastor, the church, the government, or the school to teach your family about him. He ordained the family. And so the the best that you could do is be the priest of your home. Be a pastor in your home. 
Look at your kids and say, my responsibility is to teach these kids above anything else. I need to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. And I am amazed at how much time and money and effort we will spend to teach them how to play soccer and they know nothing about the Savior. Like, what are we doing? Like, why would we be so focused on all the other stuff in the world if we really do believe that Jesus was, in fact, God in the flesh and he died for our sins? Shouldn't that be that our primary responsibility is focusing on our kids with everything that we have? There is an interesting connection between the Old and New Testament. Jesus is asked one day, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Guess what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And there it is. Like this is what the Lord wants from us. Jesus says this is the most important thing in life. And he mentions the same thing that we find thousands of years earlier that God gave to Moses when as they are being delivered from slavery. He's saying don't don't live like a slave to the world. Be a servant of the Lord and love him with all your mind, all your heart, and all your soul, and you will begin to see things shifting in your life. Here's the big idea of today's talk. The best you have to offer those nearest and dearest to you begins with your spiritual transformation. You can't do it. Like, you cannot be the best you without spiritual transformation. So I think it's a good question for us to kind of land on. And as we unpack, like, over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about a lot of things with with parenting, with relationships. But it's all built on this foundation. Like, without this, it's meaningless. (laughs) It's kind of like sometimes people will come in and they will talk to me. They'll say, we want to talk. We're struggling in our marriage. The first thing I say is, well, tell me about your, your, you know, like your story with, with Jesus. They'll start to tell me, well, I was raised in church. I was baptized then. And they don't tell you anything about Jesus. And I say, I press in a little more. I say, I want to know about, do you know the Lord? And they, they want to know, why do I know that? Because if you don't know that and don't believe that, I can't help you. Like, I have nothing to offer. Because this is what I believe is true. And everything that I believe in life and how I live my life is built on the foundation that Jesus was God in the flesh. And so my allegiance is to him alone. And if I'm going to try to help you with any wisdom that I have, it's going to be built on that that particular foundation. And I need to know where you're at with that because if your marriage is messed up, it might not be your marriage that we need to be focused on. It might need to be you and your relationship with God. And if we could get that fixed and your wife's relationship with God fixed, we might see a marriage made in heaven. Right? And so, like, this is, this is the thing. It's like we have to understand this is it, man. Like, this is it. This, your business, this should be the foundation of your business. This should be the foundation of your parenting. This should be the foundation of your hobby. This should be the foundation of everything about you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Not a little bit of it. All of it. And, man, when you get that and you surrender to that, and it takes like it takes like you. It takes some courage to surrender that and believe it. When you do, man, boom, you will start getting movement in your life. Like you'll begin to see the Lord is moving. Why? Because you are believing what he's saying is the most important thing. The question that we end with is, have you been transformed? 
a hundred years from today, it's the only thing that will matter. <laughs> it's not going to matter how much money you, you put in your IRA. It's not going to matter how big and successful your business is. It's not going to matter what kind of car you're driving or where you're at, what your address is. A hundred years from today, the only thing that's going to matter is do you know the Lord? Because you're going to be dead physically. And the hope is that you have been born spiritually and you're part of the family of God. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.